The ideas expressed in this recording are by no means a manner of denouncing the existence of anyone transitioning or an attempt to deny the validity of anyone's subjective experiences. A path that provides insight for anyone to learn their own peace is a path worth traveling, and the strength it takes is admirable. This project for me is more of an admission of failure to complete an objective that I had worked very, very hard on. It seems the understanding of self that I was seeking resided in the process, and not in the end result. Expected value of a random variable is the theoretical mean of the random variable. It is not based on sample data, it is based on the distribution of the random variable. So the expected value is a parameter and not a statistic. Welcome back to the Variance Engine, brought to you by the Brubaker Brothers. I am Jason, and this is a little bit of an offshoot to the series One Year as a Woman. I've tried to tell this story either during the living of it, or in retrospect for a few years now. It seems that once I get to the point of the bottom of the story, the most desolate point, I find myself getting into a rut emotionally and motivationally. I've spent countless hours lately going back through all the journal writings, the novel pages, and the voice recordings that I've made over the years to try and assemble something that is consumable to you all, whom haven't lived my story or maybe don't know me at all. Through the last week, I seem to fall back into the rut of reprocessing all the convoluted emotions and the complexity of the existential positions I've found myself in before, during, and after my transitional attempt from male to female. Bearing that in mind, I don't know how many of these episodes I'm going to release, to be honest. I don't wish to beat myself like a dead horse drudging through the darkest points of my life thus far. While I was finding a place of self-understanding through all this, I decided to edit some of the audio journals I had kept during this time period, the blackened phase of the alchemical process, and place them together in an episode to shed a little bit of light into the mindset and the strife that I had endured. I'm hoping that by doing this, I might be able to free myself of the creative rut that I'm in again, maybe add a little bit of gravity to the blackening episode, where I felt it had lacked a certain amount of narrative. It's not that I feel bad about how that episode turned out, I just don't feel that I could logically stitch the rest of this overall story together without allowing the full spectrum to be seen. I am currently working on the second part of The Alchemical Wedding, but I didn't feel I could do it justice while still partially dwelling on the truths and hard reality that resided on the bottom of my being. There's a lot of personal stuff contained within these recordings, raw and recorded in the moment, some of which were recorded a few years ago at this point. Reading all this stuff, hearing all this stuff again, it's been weighing heavily on me as it had then, but the perspective is different now. It's more empathetic to myself instead of crippling. Maybe I needed it to move me. Whatever Pandora's box that I found to keep all this in opened again briefly, forcing me off center from the bottom. The first audio journal I'm going to splice in isn't the best of quality. I did do some post-production to it so that you couldn't hear the environmental noises in the background, but it still sounds pretty bad. I haven't won any awards for my engineering ability. I generally hate recording 
when I'm driving, but I don't know, I feel inspired to record, so here we go. Um, I find myself in an interesting position a lot of times where I am not able to be Janice, to be myself. I'm not able to exist how I wish to exist. <clears throat> and I find myself dropping hints, consciously thinking these things um, that should allude to, you know, I guess the deeper underlying reality of my existence. Like today, I, you know, I'm not, I don't drop hints. I just leave things open for interpretation a lot of times. And, uh, yeah. I work with some idiots. I work with some rude fucking people, too. Um, a lot of transphobic people, a lot of homophobic people, um, a lot of racist people. Um, you know, it's it's really shit to experience, like, the, the, the white fucking misogynistic... Um, just mess of society that is in I'm, I'm fucking a couple hundred feet from a fortune 350 company you know what I mean um, and when you think like fortune 350 list that's, that's global companies and shit that's like that kind of stuff just doesn't exist I mean, it exists, but it gets squashed quick. It gets fucking squashed quick. Um, and, like, you know, a couple doors, a couple numbers on signs down the road, like, there's this just ridiculous, racist, fucking sexist, you know, it's just all white dudes. There's, like, three women that work in the whole shop. We got one black dude. Nobody else of color of any other descent. And it... Like, I, I have to... I really, really have to play my guard um, pretty hard. Like, I've been dropping hints because I know people are too stupid to pick up on it on their own. But I know I shouldn't do that because, like, if I came out at work, I'd probably get burnt with the crosses that these fucking assholes burn. It's just, it's just crazy. Like, the, <clears throat> the depths of the prison, I guess, really. Having to hide all the time. Having to be hidden. Not being able to be my true self is really, really draining on me personally like it fucks with me like it, it ruins my emotional stability it ruins my aspirations it 
it's just like poison, you know. It's toxic. So it's yet another toxic situation that I find myself in that I have to I have to find a way to deal with. Like I have to find a job that's gonna pay decent like as decent as I'm making now because I cannot take a pay cut and survive with all the things that have come up recently. So herein lies really the true thing that's bothering me is the, the immobility that I have to choose because of my physical location, like where I live, the things that are around. I finally got in contact with a gender therapist and stuff, and I'm gonna hopefully, within the next six months, eight months, gonna start HRT. It's gonna be a two and a half hour drive for me to get there. So like, I'm gonna have to take day off of work just to do it. So I live in the middle of fucking nowhere. Proper health services, especially those, you know, dedicated to uh, trans folk and non-binary folk, um, just don't exist in this backwoods 1920s era society that I live in. It's just, it's a scary thing. It's a really offsetting, like, thing for me personally. It pushes me way off center when I have to pretend to share the same feelings. Like, I don't, I don't participate in hateful gay jokes, hateful trans um, bash jokes, you know, that type of stuff. I just generally straight face remove myself from that situation as quickly as I can when my co-workers are making jokes like this because I guess it's just self-preservation at this point it's a survival instinct survival mechanism I'm not publicly out um, and Facebook has a funny fucking way of like showing your quote-unquote friends things that other people you know are interested in. So, for me, I have to stay really guarded on what I even like on Facebook, even if I agree with it 100%. I mean, I know there's... I should I should be the bigger person. I should take the higher road for my own self-value, for my own community, the trans community, you know, the LGBT community. Uh, QIA, you know, all the other parts that go into it, the non-standard folk that exists. And I say non-standard not offensively. I say non-standard as in evolution or however it's going to come out in history that, like, people like me or, you know, other people that we know that fall under the the rainbow flag, um, you know, are going to be Uh, viewed through the historic lens. But anyhow, I kind of diverted. I know I should take the high road. I really should start weeding out people that are toxic from my Facebook friends list. Um, People that make, you know, transphobic jokes or 
homophobic jokes or even misogynistic type stuff because I get offended by that. Um, you know, one day hopefully I'll be able to socially identify as a woman safely. Um, and, you know, misogyny is offensive to me and to other women folk out there, even to some masculine folk out there, cis or, you know, trans masculine folk out there. It's offensive. Like, it's, it's, it falls under the, um, you know, verbal abuse category. Like, just terrible, terrible fucking people. Like, the, the people who think the least are the loudest with their opinions on stuff. And a lot of times, it's so ridiculous. Like, the Bible told me this is the way it should be. Or my political party tells me it should be this way. Or, you know, think for yourself. Question authority. I, I, Timothy Leary. Like, that's a really big thing for me. Like, for me personally, that's a personal philosophy that I really took to heart when I heard it. And I understood, you know, what was being said and what concepts were being shared with me at that moment. The, the reality that we experience is our own reality. In society, there are combinations of reality. What society is. That's how we have language. That's how we have mathematics, engineering, science. That's how we have all these things that we do with and to one another is through, um, you know, combined realities. But in, like, sociological terms, like, the groups, the ways people pair themselves off for survival, for comfort, for power for domination, you know, for oppression, the ways that takes place, it, somebody is being pushed down, somebody is being taken advantage of, I don't know, I kind of just been on a fucking tangent here for the last 15 minutes or so, and I know I haven't made a lot of sense, but I was just kind of upset in general with my surroundings and and honestly like how I've been reacting and how I've been choosing to survive the levels of survival that I've chosen for myself have been really counterproductive to the real me to the the person that I am inside of myself that like very very few people will ever get to see you know, like, I, I don't want to come off and say that I'm ashamed of myself, but I need to try harder. I need to do better. I need to pick up a little more weight, a little more slack. For the people that are maybe struggling a little bit harder than what I am with everything, I mean, it's not been an easy road by any means. But there are people out there that are having a lot worse time with it than I am. And I understand that. In order for us all, as human, primarily, to move forward, is to stop fucking with one another over stupid shit. Like, sexual orientation, or the color of skin, or 
the preferred uh, gender identification. The just stuff. The things that we do to one another. And like this kind of ties back into my other project, my other book project that um, you know I want to eventually start on after I fucking finish the variance engine. Um, is like really uh, an analysis, a really in-depth analysis of my interpretation on the things that people do to one another and why and kind of spin, you know, an allegorical story out of it um, and try to teach. You know, that's really what I think I'm trying to do here. I think that's really what I'm trying to do here. And I'm really, I'm not paying attention to my lesson plan. I'm not paying attention to what the right path is to take with deliberately allowing myself to be imprisoned socially. You know, that that's a topic of debate in the trans community a lot. What things have to be covered in your life before you can honestly be who the fuck you are. Which is which is a shame, really. It's it's a fucking monumental failure of human interaction is that I have to play chess in order to truly be myself. There is definite cause for me, for me personally. Now this, you know, some people don't agree with this. Some people won't agree with this. Some people might agree with this. You know, I'm, I'm laying it all out there. That, like, I financially at this point knowing my surroundings, living my surroundings, I have to not come out socially yet. Like, I don't have things in line. I don't have proper work aligned. I don't have... I don't even own a pair of fucking panties yet. So, um... You know, that might be FYI or TMI, depending on... on how the message comes across, but, like, I can't, like, I was looking at gaffs yesterday, and I was looking at padded underwear, um, to try to boost out, because I, I'm not, I haven't started HRT yet, I want to boost out the gap of that, that belongs in my, my hip area, you know, it looks like I have a bowl attached to my ass that you could eat cereal out of. Because of the way my masculine muscle structure is assembled. Um, You know, when I was looking at things and I, you know, didn't quite want to spend the money yet. Because I know I'm a fucking coward. And it's not just cowardice that's keeping me here. But I can admit that part of it is cowardice. I'm afraid. Alright, that's... This is one of the only times that anybody's going to hear me admit that I'm afraid of anything in this fucking world or in this life. Um, There's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of hypotheticals. Like, my brain runs on overdrive all the time trying to calculate 
um, what to say, how to say things, how I walk. Like I had, I started noticing like I've been working subconsciously on like a more feminine walk and I have to like stop myself kind of like when I walk through the shop because like I always envision someone saying, oh, he walks like a girl. That's how it comes out. Not, she walks like a girl, but because I'm still identifying as a man at the time, he walks like a girl. And then, you know, various obscenities that would come with it or various of the feeling impressions that I've talked about before. Like, hatred has a very specific impression when someone carries it. I'm just constantly bombarded by this shit. And I have to play chess at all times in order to maintain my cover. It's like I'm a spy. And that's how I like to think about it. I'm, I'm undercover in reality. Like, I'm a spy for the realist sense of myself. It's espionage on a level that I never thought that I would have to be involved in. Because I don't like secrets between people. I enjoy an open line of communication. And if somebody doesn't like me, that's fine. Intellectually, I have debates with people. I say things. They get mad. I get that. There's some things that I get mad over. I'm a human, so are they. I was already bitching earlier about being offended by people saying certain things. But what I don't like is people who say one thing and behave. See, here's where my fucking, the truest disturbed part of myself is right now. I am a fucking hypocrite because I don't like people who lie. And yet here I am admitting that I'm a liar socially. I'm admitting to myself obviously, because I don't think I'm going to let anybody hear this. I'm admitting, you know, out loud that I'm a liar. I don't want to be in this man body. I despise it. There are parts of me that I would love to just remove forcefully with a bladed object. But in order to float freer through the constructs of mankind and its idiosyncrasies, I have to maintain a certain level of hypocrisy. So really, I should be okay in order to free myself of feeling like a hypocrite because I hold such a juxtaposition of reservations. Like, I should be okay with people lying to my face. I mean, I know I have no control over it. But I shouldn't be emotionally upset or, you know, betrayed by it. Because I'm doing it every day. I'm doing it to everybody I see. Everybody. There's very few people that I'm out to. So I'm not, I'm not lying to them. They know who I am inside. How I feel inside. How I feel about myself. Um, and, you know, the people that are still around. The people that haven't walked out of my fucking life because of that. I'm forever grateful, honestly. I just got a little emotional there for a minute. I should, um, 
I guess give give a little bit more grace. Have a little bit more grace. Give a little bit more understanding towards the uh, juxtapositions of people's reservations with stuff. I should, I guess, allow hypocrisy to exist in my world because I am an agent of it. I had that entry labeled as espionage in my folder, which I believe adequately titles the gravity of my life up through that point. I had already been outed from the mouth of a once-trusted friend in my small social circle that I had maintained. My first marriage had ended. I was living with my partner, still working at the career I had for over a decade. Sometimes life becomes rolling with the punches. You find yourself in a routine. And being the bastardish coward I am makes me for a better spy than I am a frontline soldier for any cause. The next recording that I'm going to splice into this episode is one where I go into a lot of the emotional state I found myself in after admitting my position and coming out to those I had yet to. The entry was saved as desolation. Along with trigger warnings abound, be aware that this recording was done on a phone and had to be edited quite a bit in order to make it sound better than it did originally. This is the negative side of the weight of the survival that I had chosen. I wanted to kind of touch on or express, um, you know, an overarching theme in life and in the variance engine I'm trying to, uh, you know, describe, I guess, is fragility, uh, human fragility, emotional, at least for me, you know, emotional stability, I'm not the most stable person out there. Um, you know, I have good days and I have bad days, but today's a bad day. It's just a, a lot of buildup during the good days and then a hard wind blows in China and, you know, it's a bad day. You know, I don't know what, what causes it, what those things are, triggers, I guess, um, you know, cause I make a lot of decisions or, you know, want to do a lot of things, make decisions, positive stuff, move forward. And then like glass, it just shatters and, you know, I'm rolling around in it and I'm putting it in my mouth. I'm fucking deliberately injuring myself with it, you know, metaphorically, especially metaphorically, because I'm not rolling around in broken glass or anything, but you know, the, there's almost two people that live inside me, um, there's the me that I normally am, that records most of these, that, you know, wants to transition and move on with their life, and just try to be normal, have friends, and have people, but then there's this thing, that I am right now, it's just desolate, monstrous, destructive. I just see things that I want to destroy instead of create. It's a darkness that just lives, and I can push it down for periods of time. And that's when, that's when a lot of times, you know, I make these recordings and, and I make progress on the book and I try to do stuff with myself, positive stuff, but there's just something that 
dwells inside that I don't I don't want to live like this you know like if this was a permanent state or an extended state even like if this doesn't go away like it normally does I don't know what I'll do I just wish it would stop coming back the position I find myself in life right now is very alone I know I already recorded a, a piece about solitude but you know there's there's really a desolation to it also that even if I was in in a crowded room full of people that are excited and joyous and everything you know there's such a distance between where I feel I am and where that is to be a part of that and no amount of appearance change no amount of makeup no amount of just prettiness I think can bridge that gap there's just a solitude that I have to endure a desolate fucking desert that I have to cross it's just all engrossing at times it's crippling you know I don't want to eat food I don't want to shower I don't I just I just want to sleep and do drugs I mean I'm not doing any drugs right now but you know that that was always a go-to when I got like this when I felt like this I needed a chemical change a forced chemical change and drugs are a quick and easy way to do that to close the gap I guess to kind of teleport you out of the, the the desolate zone I just wish there was a way that I could manifest what I feel into the physical realm. I guess there's physical art, but I'm not too good at sculpture or painting or anything like that. I guess I could always try it. But I mean, there's there's just a non-human. I don't even feel human at this point. It's not a, I feel like a woman trapped in a man's body or I feel like a man or, you know feel like a woman it's I don't even feel like I'm a part of the human race right now I just I'm a vengeful spirit I guess that walks on to complete some unknown purpose it's really hard to describe the eventuality of death and the acceptance of it and the existence struggle you know the existential struggle that I go through normally it just doesn't seem worth it to even fight that battle when this is what I'm reduced to at, you know, at, at random intervals. It's not even, there's not one specific trigger or event or, you know, thing that um, causes this. Just the, the, the fragility of my being, I guess. It just, a stiff wind blew in China, I guess, or something. I don't. I don't have any answers today. I don't have any I don't have any words today. I just have this pain in my head and in my whole my heart, my whole being is just in pain. Sorrow, I guess it is. It's not even it's not even like a a pain anymore. It's just like a throbbing dull ache that kind of just 
worms its way into everything and my hygiene routine takes a hit and my diet takes a hit and my social interactions are probably going to be fucking almost none today which doesn't help with the isolation the desolation of how I feel it's just a, a longing just an ache it's really hard to put words to I don't have like I said I don't have words today I don't I hope this doesn't last very long because I, I started making progress with the book and everything and started really plotting out and changing what I initially had from the outlines and stuff to try to make a better story, you know. Like, I don't know if it was just reading or experiencing the the emotions from reading, from writing the, you know, the last two chapters or... Because they were... They, some of the hardest chapters, I guess, for me. You know, I don't know if it's just a, like a mourning phase. Because, ironically enough, the next chapter is called The Morning After, spelled morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. So I don't know if it's just a pro- part of the process that I'm going through emotionally to... to create this book or what from re-experiencing the morning of loss and the, really the, the cynical and the apathetic nature of I've taken towards life for a long time just kind of opened the floodgates I didn't really want to open or something I just really I want to keep moving forward because maybe I guess maybe if I get through this this section of the book, it can help me find where I want to be optimally. The ever-looming threat of the end of existence doesn't go away once you realize it. But you can occupy yourself with other things and living life, really, as to kind of push it away. That was some of what I had talked about in the first episode of the series, and was predominantly what I was feeling a majority of the time. This blackening carried over in certain aspects of my being, even through the present time. Probably by my own admission, it is due to unhealthy coping mechanisms, mental health, and deliberate sabotage. There was a duality that existed in my everyday, where I was allowed to be feminine in my own way, in secret. I couldn't really talk to anyone I knew, so I thought, about the entire process because I had gotten myself so far out in the desert waste that I had isolated myself from everyone around me. My survival was hinged on this transition in my mind. I was obsessed with it, and I used that obsession to create a distance from everyone that I had interacted with on a daily basis. There were very few people during this time that I kept communications with that I actually could interact with in the physical reality. I had established this very observable disconnect from my social self and my internal self when I went to work. In the recording Desolation, I had made mention of another recording, Solitude. It would have been redundant for me to add it. There was just a lot of the same things I said in Desolation, with less elaboration and more size for me to edit out and background noise. 
a lot of the time during this scene in my life, I could pick up a recording device and, and probably summarize myself in almost the exact same manner every time. That recording was probably the best iteration that I could share for the gravity of the life that I had been living then. The last of these journal entries that I'm going to add in was labeled Baron. This was recorded during the couple week period between my approval for hormones and the prescriptions being called in. I found myself struggling with fertility prior to the hormones and the inevitable reality of what the medication was going to do to my birth hardware created a deep gouge where this debate was had within me. I had decided in those moments that I was going to go the full measure of the transition, refusing to have any of my sperm frozen for the future I find myself in now. Guilt and regret are a gift, they say. All right. It's probably about 2.30. Just sitting another night, thinking about everything. I didn't think it would be fair to not give you some of, I guess, my story. To not share um, me, really. You know, I spent... I spent hours today with my daughter. I think we as humans have such a drive to reproduce, you know, like all things. You know, I absolutely love my daughter to the gates of hell and beyond. I would march for my daughter. And that's what puts me in such a strange existential position at this point with, you know, the changes and everything that are going to be coming up. I'm going to lose my ability to reproduce after about three months of hormone replacement. And at that point, I'll be sterile. Whether I get any sort of modifying surgery or anything done, you know, making my Audi an any or whatever, um, regardless of my appearance externally, I become chemically barren. And that is something that I'm going to have to make a decision on. Because when you have a child, there's something in you that changes. There's something in you that literally takes your sense of self and pushes it down a rung. Your survival at that point is no longer your top priority. And it's our drive as animals to attain this level of selflessness. And it drives us. It in, in so many aspects of our lives. And in a way, I feel so selfish and so useless to her for this because it's, it's, it's a struggle between her having siblings, me having additional children, and myself, my existence, my identification. And every breath I take lately... This biological prerogative is on my mind. And I have come to the decision. I don't want to bank any of my sperm. I don't want to reproduce anymore again. And I know that at the very core sounds like I'm betraying my animal, my humanness, my being, so to speak. But I think what I'm trying to do is be better than an animal. I'm trying to be more than just this human wreckage that this body is, that this mind is. 
I want to be able to be better than the impulses I have, the desires I have. The I want to be better than the flesh that I carry. So for me, it's not just a, a physical change. It's not a it's a spiritual change. It's a it's a strive towards enlightenment. Whatever we can have for enlightenment in this life. Medical science claims that the mind doesn't form memories of physical pain, but there's nothing stopping the mind from bearing its full power down on you with emotional weight. I still have to be careful when I go back through all the negativity that I experienced that it doesn't leave its blackened taint upon me again. I think that the isolation that society allowed me to sustain for as long as I had with my transition is a lot of the reason that I was so bewildered once I had started it. I was underprepared for socially displaying the taboo I had secretly been living and all the different concerns for my own and my daughter's safety. I put this episode together for the listener and for myself both. Sometimes you have to travel back through the dark woods of time to get where you need to be. Hopefully it shed a little bit more light into the mindset I was in during the times described. This episode in itself is very purifying for me, which is the concept of the next part of the alchemical wedding, purification. I just wanted to take the time to thank everyone again for sticking around with me during this series. It's very personal to me, obviously, and I have already received some feedback from a few of the listeners. I do truly appreciate it, and I think there is a method to my madness most of the time. Hopefully it isn't too hard to follow along with. If you have any thoughts, opinions, or hate mail, send it to theproblematicast at gmail.com and I'll try to respond to it as readily as I can. Stay subbed to have access to the remaining few episodes of the Brubaker Brothers' The Variance Engine series One Year as a Woman and all the other things we've started to add to our Patreon. Leave us a like, a review, and share this with anyone you think might be interested. We would love to gain some more exposure and maybe get our messages out to more people. Thanks, everybody.